the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. On AM 970, The Answer. AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. I'm Dottie Herman, and I hope you had a wonderful week. You're listening to Ion Real Estate, and we are the only show on talk radio um, that is all about real estate and all the millions of things that we have to do with real estate. And as I said, we are thankful the real estate industry across the country really let us held up right through the pandemic and after the pandemic and it's on fire nationally and you know everyone I always said people always want to own real estate it's the American dream but I think the pandemic made it even a bigger American dream Um, I'd like to introduce my co-hosts Senior Vice President of Citizens Bank Ace Bonasupar good morning Ace good morning Dottie good morning Stephen Morning, Ace. Right. And we want to talk about, you know, Ace, some of the things that have come up that I that people are reading that, you know, people are worried because the rates went up a little, but they shouldn't wait because they could really go up. And then I think last week we promised that we would talk about uh, 15-year mortgage versus a 30-year mortgage, you know, what what which one's better what should what what kind of mortgages should people look for and maybe you want to might mention some other type of mortgages that people are not aware of because i think like all of us that 30 year mortgage was like for so long one of the only mortgages you could get or that or an fha or G, you know or government so i think it would be nice to go through some of the different things that people can take advantage of now uh, and are uh, the co-host, Stephen Ebert, who specializes in real estate law, both residential and commercial. Stephen is a partner at Casson & Casson, LLP. And Casson & Casson, LLP has offices in Manhattan, Westchester, Dallas, and Phoenix. So if you have legal questions or a dilemma about real estate, please give Stephen a call. And we're at 866 I also want to thank Citizens Bank, which works with Douglas Elliman as a preferred lender. Citizens is one of the nation's oldest and largest financial institutions, and we always thank them for their continued support. Um, They also support their customers by providing an integrated experience that includes mobile and online banking and a 24-7 customer contact center. They also have a COVID-19 resource center, 
and uh, they understand what people are going through and all the concerns that they might have, and they're all very different and the stress. So sometimes just picking up a phone or sending a, an email and, and finding out some answers will put you to ease or feel like you don't have to wonder anymore. You've got the right answer. And one thing I've learned over the years is like, we all like to ask our friends. So you'll ask somebody and they'll give you what they think and everyone gives their what they think and they're trying to give you good information, but they're not experts. So when you want to know anything about real estate, you should call us on the show. Um, and when it's financing ACE and when it's legal, Stephen, and when it's real estate, me, um, or someone who's a seasoned professional. I mean, your friends can give you an opinion, but many times their opinion is not fact. It's just an opinion. So um, with that, I believe that we have, a, I think that we have a short show today. I don't see mentioned, but I believe it's an hour and a half. So if you have any questions, you need to get them through early. You can also reach me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or email me at Dottie at DottieHerman.com. And you can follow our new Facebook page for Ion Real Estate for exciting news and more. And hopefully we're going to be doing podcasts very shortly. We're trying to set that all up now. And since we all uh, have day jobs, you know, we're, we're really trying to make the time to get this so that we can take our real estate shows and give you pot, put, give you them on a, on a podcast form so that you can actually see us and listen to us. And you know what that means? That means I have to look good on Sunday mornings. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm not. I'm just going to look the way I look. Because Saturday mornings, I'm so happy. I don't have to, I go, oh, thank God I'm on radio. They don't have to see me. So I don't have to fix my hair or anything. I have it in a ponytail on top of my head right now. But I guess that will have to change. But remember, if you have any questions, call us at 866-970-9622. That's 866-970-9622. We'd love to hear from our listeners. So I like to always start off by current. Like what went on this week? You know, I, I try to look at the, the most current things that happened during the week um, to keep you up to date on current information. And so one of the good, a lot, lots of good news, nearly 90% of metros across the country saw double digit price gains in the fourth quarter. Uh, so price growth, the whole prices went up. I mean, sorry if you're a buyer, but um, whole prices went up um, in 20, at the last quarter of 2020 and mortgage rates and inventory levels both hit lows, meaning the interest rate went really down and the inventory also went down. So there's not a lot to choose from. And that was for the National Association of Realtors. In January, the sale of new homes rose 4.3%. And remember, we were coming through and we we're not done with it yet, but hopefully we're seeing maybe a light at the end of the tunnel. But we really came to a year that when I think about it, I, I really think I was listening to the trial. I feel like I, those of you who might be too young to know it, but I used to watch a show when I was a kid called The Twilight Zone. And they would have this weird music and they'd say, you are now entering the Twilight Zone. And when I think about 2020 and I think about hearing about the virus for probably the first time sometime in the beginning of that 2020 of the year and then all of a sudden being on lockdown 
which I I was said, oh, that'll be like a month or two. Never did I imagine that it would be this long and it would kill as many people. Um, it's really pretty incredible. And it's something that'll be in history books forever and ever, or maybe not books. I don't know if they'll have books anymore, but um, we've all been through a lot. It's not over yet. Hopefully we are going to see it get, you know, the cases are down nationally, which is all good. But I just want to say to all of us uh, who survived this, this was a tough year for everybody. And so, you know, give yourself a hand and, you know, give yourself some credit for all of those who lost loved ones and friends. Our hearts are with you. This was really a tough one. And we hope that we just stick with this plan. And hopefully, I'm hoping and that by the end of the year, we should be at some kind of herd emergency. Uh, immunity. I'm hopeful. But you know, Dottie, I think <laughs> your, your point, if, if I can tell you, I think your point on the Twilight Zone is really an apt one because, you know, you're seeing all sorts of different, um, you know, elements going on right now. People are concerned, are people moving around, but the activity in deals, movements on rates, which I know Ace will cover, but I'll tell you, it's, it's interesting. It's really about getting the right information at the right time. Because I put this out there, anyone who's going by information that they heard three months ago as to what's going on with contract signs and market movements and where, they're woefully out of date. Um, so I, I think you're, you're spot on uh, with that comment. Yeah. Well, and, and look, even with the bar, everything changes. Every day there's something different going on or something changes. So it's really important to stay up with it because... You know, every every day. So this is a world that we're living in now, where things change on the minute. And um, look, all the decisions you make, and I think everyone has to make decisions that are good for them. But at least you want to have the right information when making decisions. Uh, and that's what Ace is, and 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 Stephen and myself try to do: give you all of the information. Again, when you read something in the papers or or something in a magazine, you know, you can't cookie cutter the information. It might be the information, but it doesn't mean it's the right, it's best for you. And that's where you have to look at the information that's current, what are they doing today? And then look at your situations and your goals and maybe your age, um, and then try to find the right, right route for you to go. And believe me, when I started this business, Life was simple. I think they would tell you, oh, show three houses, you know, show a great house, a not so great house, and maybe a, ah, a runner up and pick one and they'll pick one. And people would like look at six or seven houses and pick one. And sellers would give you listings. They didn't ask, how are you going to market the house? What are you going to market it? There was no internet. There was no virtual tours you know, and you had to actually go to the office with your, I mean, it's weird how things changed. When I started, people would actually drive to the office and it would generally be a Saturday or a Sunday because their husbands were home. And obviously when I started 20 something years ago, wives didn't make decisions without their husbands. And I'm not saying that, that that's a financial decision that if you're buying it together, you both should make together. But that's how it went. And then the wives would come during the week sometimes, but then they would bring the husband back. 
And then, of course, when they were borrowing money from their parents, they had to bring the parents back. Okay, so it was a whole process. But as far as the mortgage, as Ace will tell you, there really wasn't much of a choice. You didn't have to be sophisticated. There was either a 30-year mortgage, and I believe there was um, a GI mortgage for veterans, a VA mortgage, which was no money down if you were a veteran. And then there was FHA, which is a federal insured mortgage, which has little, little money down. And, and your credit doesn't have to be as good, which Ace will talk about a little bit later, because a lot of people don't utilize FHA, and I think they're making a mistake. Um, but it was simple. And real estate, and, and it was really, and people then pretty much bought real estate as a home to live in. I very rarely had somebody say to me, look, I'm buying this home. I want to raise my family. And, you know, these are the schools I like. And how, and how much do you think this will be worth in five years? Or what do you, what do you think this will, do you think, how much do you think this will appreciate? Is this area, people didn't look at residential real estate as an investment so much. They looked at a place to live and raise their families or, you know, whatever. But now people well, you look, look at it to live and raise their family, but they also look at it as an investment. It's a lot of money. It's most people's largest investment that they'll ever make. So, and it's gotten very complicated, okay? And it's hot. Look, I have agents on all these shows. I mean, I have the million dollar listing and, uh, you know, in California and New York and people love, well, and then there's a million home improvement shows and there's a million decorating shows on how to decorate your house and how to take the, uh, uh, like a, a dumpy house that you got for cheap and how to just make it to a palace. So everyone's interested in it. And I always say, oh, well, I'm blessed to be in a, in a profession that I do love. But I also think that real estate is the universal is a universal language. Everybody wants to hear about it. Um, so when, with that, I'm happy about for Manhattan that their luxury market had their strongest three weeks in, in six years. Now, if you recall, you know, as the city started to come back, the luxury market really took a bigger hit because they had a lot more inventory. But 36 homes priced at $4 million went into con and over went into contract last week. And that's a great sign. Um, of course, they're discounted from what they were. But people are coming back. Uh, you're seeing younger people come to the market because they can now afford it. And, you know, when I step back and I kind of look at everything and I say, well, we were at our peak before the pandemic. And it was really a city that it was hard to really afford to live there. And then if you had a family, uh, you were probably living in a small apartment that was tough for a family to live in because there was no space. And I think maybe it's a good thing the prices came down a little to make it more affordable and to allow more people to enter the city. So that's all the good news. I want The bad news is Manhattan job losses were the worst of any large county in the US. So um, we're working very hard in New York to try to bring jobs back. Um, I think I was reading, maybe Ace, you would know this, but I, I, was I was reading that they were trying to, with the restaurants, allow them to only have to pay 20% back, something like that. 
they had something about they're trying to help the restaurants out. And it didn't happen, but they're proposing something where they only have to pay. That's that's well, actually what, what they're proposing, Dottie. And, um, you know, okay, so what is that exactly? I was reading about it. I thought it was good, but I was reading about it. What is it's, that exactly? It, it's the second wave of the PPP program, Dottie. And if um, if you lost more than 75% of your overall revenue on the year before, they're looking to waive um, a lot more than the first wave. Um, it hasn't been passed yet, hasn't been approved, but they know that the restaurant um, industry is sort of the backbone of every single economy, right? So they're, they're doing everything that they can to help the industry out. Now with the new vaccine, um, people are saying, economists are saying that the hospitality industry will come back stronger than ever, not only restaurants, but, you know, cruise lines, airlines. So it's, um, it's, very, it's, it's very bright for the near-term future, Dottie, and that's why um, we've had such a um, crazy, crazy week as, as it pertains to interest rates. Uh, the volatility in the stock market has definitely impacted interest rates and the um, consumer confidence in terms of expenditures and spending has definitely increased. And that's where, and, and that's where I think we're going to see a rise in interest rates, which, you know, to a lot of folks, they may be panicking, but it's a great sign that, you know, the economy is recovering. So, you know, I, I think one of the things that I wanted to talk to the folks on this, on, I guess, to our listeners is that we've been talking about low interest rates for almost now, Dottie, I would say five years <laughs> where where we're always, you know, nobody has a crystal ball, but we're like, you know what? I think this time rates are going to go up. But I, I, I truly think the pandemic, that was the rock bottom of where interest rates were going to go. We were even discussing negative interest rates. But by the end of this year, rates are currently around 3%. But by the end of this year, we're probably going to see 3.5%. So if you were thinking about purchasing, if you were thinking about refinancing, this is really the window of opportunity, Dottie and Stephen. I, I would really emphasize for our listeners, and, and a lot of them have listened, and they have called, and, and we've done great things for them. But this is the time. If you're hesitant and you're thinking about refinancing your mortgage and you haven't done so, you know, you're going to miss the opportunity. So I just want to emphasize to all of our listeners you know, really just look at what you have on your mortgage statements, inquire with a banker, call us here, and, you know, we'll try to help you get, get a low rate because it won't last forever. And that's something that, that we know as a fact now that we're, we're going to see increasing, uh, we're going to see an, an increasing rate environment in the near term. So. Hey, I was reading, it to your point, if I could just, fit, then it says now that mortgage rates are surging, this was an article, are Americans making a big mistake? And they say that as mortgage rates suddenly shot, shot to heights, which is still low in my opinion, but they have yeah, not seen it much. Okay, home buyers who are on the fence and home buyers who still haven't refinanced to slash their monthly mortgage payments will be filled with regret if rates go higher still, which is how the sign appears. And they're saying that the mortgage demand took a dive because of that. However, they are absolutely saying what you're saying. You know, everyone's they're saying that, you know, but you're going to take a risk of even higher mortgages down the road. Correct, Dottie. I mean, if you're not taking action today, um, you're going to regret it, right? So the biggest thing for you to do is at least inquire 
and just equip yourself with the knowledge and, and options, right? So. Okay, when we come back, we're going to finish speaking, and then I want to talk about the 15-year-old mortgage, but I want to take it with New York City News. We'll be right back to listening at Iron Real Estate, 866-970-9622. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. My friends over at Route 22 Toyota want me to remind you that if you're tired of dealing with dummies, get over to the state-of-the-art service facility in Hillside, New Jersey, please. Alex Kinsella has the entire team staying safe, wearing masks, socially distancing, fogging vehicles with every single service to make sure they're disinfected. At Route 22 Toyota, they always get it right. They're doing their part to stay safe. Plus, right now, Route 22 Toyota is offering qualified buyers more reasons than ever to get into a new Toyota, like 0% APR financing up to five years and zero down leases on some of your favorite Toyota models. Call 855-621-9949 for details and make sure to tell them Joe sent you. 855-621-9949. 49 to schedule a test drive and Route 22 Toyota will get you driving a new Toyota with 0% interest or zero down leases. Now that is the smart way to buy. Route 22 Toyota, Route 22 West in Hillside, New Jersey or at Route22Toyota.com. Does your business need a $12,000 win? Call or visit 1-800-ACCOUNTANT.COM for a free business tax consultation that could save you thousands. 1-800-ACCOUNTANT is the nation's leading virtual accounting firm for small businesses and independent contractors. On average, they save clients more than $12,000 on their business taxes each year. They'll find every tax deduction and credit your business is eligible for. Call or visit 1-800-ACCOUNTANT.COM to get started for free. 1-800-ACCOUNTANT.COM Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. This year marks 20 years since America's darkest day, September 11, 2001. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been supporting America's frontline heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays off their mortgage to lift the financial burden and bring their family stability. For catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling our most severely injured heroes to live more independent lives. Our nation's heroes, people who are willing to die for you and me, need your help. Please join Tunnel to Towers on their mission to do good and help these heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. That's T2T.org. Thank you. I'm Dr. Andrea Russo, a cardiologist. Maybe you're waiting to talk to your doctor right now. But if you're having an irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, don't wait. This could be a serious condition like atrial fibrillation, which can make you about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you're having these symptoms, don't wait. Talk to a doctor by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or radio.com. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal 
And now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to I am Real Estate. I'm here with Ace Bonasupar, our financial expert, and Stephen Ebert, our legal expert, and myself with Real Estate, CEO of Douglas Elements. And we have some quotes, so just wait two seconds. We'll get you in a minute. Uh, however, we were in the middle of just finishing up something that Stephen was talking about as far as what you guys should look at in determining, you know, where we are today. Stephen? Yep. Yeah, so want to, you know, want to warn people, be very careful on statistics, and you're never going to see the exact bottom. And when you hear things, and right before the break, when we were talking about some of the media articles about, you know, saying that, you know, rates are jumping up. They are moving, don't get me wrong, but also we got to think about numbers in proportion, right? If you have a 30-year fix that went from 2.875% to 3 and an eighth or 3.25%, those are still amazing rates. But what I view is, and I've been telling my clients, this is the warning sign. You never know when you hit bottom on rates or on price until after they start going up. And keep in mind, you, people are only so nimble. If you're looking for a new place to live or an investment property, you need time to actually take a look, conduct your due diligence, and also coordinate with your other responsibilities if you have a lease or you're trying to sell another property. So really keep in mind, if you're looking to take action now, there is a lead time of some months. So be very, very careful and make sure you're talking to your correct team so you don't really miss that window. Good point. Really? Great advice, Stephen. Yeah, it's great advice. I think we have some questions. I think we have Jay from Staten Island. Good morning, Jay. Thank you for calling Good. on real estate. Good morning, Daddy. Thank you so much, you and your panel. I have a question. I have a two-family house. They're both rented upstairs and downstairs. I offer one month-to-month lease. My tenant upstairs was arrested. 10 days ago, he's still locked up, cannot make the bail. I spoke with his legal aid lawyer, and I asked, what is my disposition if he, does, if he gets locked and stays in there? What am I going to do with the place not being used? Meanwhile, the following day after his arrest 10 days ago, one, one of the lawyers, uh, a paralegal, came by. He gave the keys to my other tenant downstairs to take care of his... Um, animal he has a pet upstairs so we're taking care of the pet upstairs so we have possession of the apartment we have the keys the the, the tenant gave us the keys now he's still locked up with a high bail 
His next hearing is March the 9th, I believe. It seems like uh, he's not going to get out that easy. I speak with his legal aid lawyer, and she tells me we just have to wait to see what happens. I said, what am I going to do with the apartment? I got to get possession of my place. I got to be put whole as I was was before. Meanwhile, Tennant is a nice person. He's single, but he hasn't paid rent for five months too. So once in a while, every few weeks, he comes out with $200. I mean, he owes me over $5,000 rent. I was nice enough to him to let him stay because, you know, he doesn't um, abuse the place. But something happened, I guess, in his life. What is my restitution? What, what, what is my next step if this guy gets incarcerated? What legal course of, of action? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah much, much, so, and you've been more than fair. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so you first of all, sorry, yeah, first of all, sorry yeah. that you're going through all this difficult time. Yeah. Um, the problem that we have right now is that the normal legal mechanisms that one would have prior to COVID are, are not quite in place. Um, unfortunately, you really cannot bring the eviction action at this time. Um, exactly. and, and really, um, we're in a holding pattern until May, unfortunately. I'm aware. And yes. that could change yet again. Um, yes. But that, that's the unfortunate situation. Um, yes. Other thing keep in mind is that the legal aid attorney does represent your tenant. Now, they're there for that criminal matter, not necessarily yes. there for the landlord-tenant matter, but keep yes, in mind yes. that their obligations are for that person, not for you. So keep in mind when they're telling you yes. things, that's the perspective they're coming from. The other yes. thing is and you use a very important word when it comes word excuse me when it comes to tendencies is the word surrender right you said the word that he surrendered the keys now that's a yes. very important statement when someone surrenders the keys that is part of the action of termination the lease and surrendering them however i'd be very very cautious yes what it sounds like from what i'm hearing again we're only hearing right now on the radio but it doesn't sound like he's necessarily surrendering the keys. Rather, he is giving the keys to the neighbor so that way they can take care of the pet, right? That's like telling a friend you're on vacation. Would you mind taking care of things while I'm gone and I'm intending to return? I'm not giving up the place. So be very cautious because you do not want to have an issue under New York law where you misinterpret and inappropriately act and then – take, you know, act towards his property and, and the space. Um, you know, I, I think you got to get more information and probably yes. what it sounds like, given the fact that this is someone who already had financial issues beforehand, you may want to yes. consider seeing if you can have some sort of dialogue to see if you could work out a deal to remove his property in, in a gentle way in coordination and authorization from them and maybe just have it vacate and say, look, Maybe it make, works best that we just work out a deal. Tell me where your stuff can go. Maybe have a friend or a family member take it, and let's just call it an end. Because what's going to happen is, assuming the courts reopen in May, but that may change, there's going to be a massive backlog. This, there's going to be probably tens of thousands oh. of cases. It's going to be a complete mess. Eviction. So you, know, you have to make the personal business decision. Yes. But sometimes we have a, a phrase in economics, sunk cost. Sometimes you're better off cutting the cord on this, just being done with him and trying to get a new and better tenant in there. Um, 
So yeah, but Stephen, right? Yeah. Now I have a question because Stephen, even if the guy wasn't in jail, okay, he doesn't have to pay the rent, okay, until the end of May, right, or June. Well, I'm, I'm going to rephrase that statement slightly. You can't force right. him to pay the rent, right? I mean, That's technically. Exactly. The, the he owes the rent on the first of the month if you have a first of the month lease, like most leases are. Yes. It's month just month, that yes. right now, due to COVID, you cannot take exactly. legal action to enforce exactly. that. So people that are getting away that, with yes. this for now. Yes. It doesn't mean, yeah. and I put this out there for all of our listeners, it, there's, it doesn't mean that there won't be a day of reckoning. And I've warned people. I said, look, right. this is designed... But, but- as a temporary right. mechanism to help people in a pandemic, but it doesn't mean that it's free rent. And one day there will be a day of reckoning on all these old rents and everything. So be forewarned. Yeah. But Stephen, I say this every week, and this gentleman that Jay has living in his apartment who has been nice and has allowed him not to pay rent and be late or, and skip payments, this gentleman, even if he's a nice man, does not yes. seem, and I don't have the facts, but he doesn't seem like he's going to have the money to pay when he gets out of jail because obviously he's not working. And unless he a, gets like they, uh, mm-hmm. uh, an allowance or you know for rent, they, they, it doesn't look they, like he's going to have the money to ever pay uh, Jay no. back any money. I mean, it just doesn't no. sound like that. And and, and you know so. Bail. So they put that's bail, what I'm, 30, I'm hearing, you know, 30, and so, yeah. no, no, they set, they set, do they you feel the same way, for, Jay? Oh, I'm they set his bail for over 30000 and the legal aid lawyer tried to persuade the courts to lower it. They only lowered it by $1, and uh, his crime oh is a God. B felony, burglary. I don't know what the situation I have no idea. But she tells me all these things. I said, if I could help, I'll be willing to come down and, you know, help. He's a nice man, but he still owes me money. And if he cannot make bail, his next court hearing is on the 9th of March. And it doesn't look good that they're going to release him. It looks like he's going to have to put some time. That is my question. He did give him, let's say, six months, one year, locked up. Uh, the apartment, you know, there's gas and, and electricity. You know, of course, he pays it on his tab. But uh, the apartments, I mean, uh, I'm going to stay another six months without pay. While meanwhile, he cannot make bail. He cannot come out. Or he's going to be incarcerated, for example. I don't know what's going to happen. Let me just wrap it up in this. Steve is right. Steve is right. I have to wait to see what happens. Yes, please. But also you need to, I think, the other thing is I encourage you to make also some, think about different scenarios. If he is someone who will be incarcerated for a period of time, you know, you may want to say, think about it and say, you know what? Sometimes yeah. we need to take our losses and move on and exactly. keep that under consideration yeah. and, and make the smart business move for you. That's what I would do. Wait till March 9th, find out what's going to happen. If he's going to be in jail for a substantial time, I would try to make a deal. Say, look, I'll forgive the rent. You didn't pay. You don't owe it to me. You know, how, I'll just get your apartment back. That's what I would try to do. But I wait till March 9th and find out the result of that hearing. If that makes any sense. But I, you're, but you have been a nice man, so that's one thing. 
There's a lot to learn and understand when getting ready to buy a home. Having a right lending team in place who can help is important. The lending experts at Citizens Bank can answer your questions about home borrowing or how to get started with a mortgage pre-approval. Call Citizens Bank at 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank and a NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. We make the Solaire Infrared Grills, those amazing gas grills that heat up to over 1,000 degrees in just three minutes to provide professional chef-quality performance in your own backyard. Now, you won't find them in the big box stores. Solaire is sold only by the finest specialty retailers who recognize Solaire as the only real hot, fast grill. If you live in an area without a Solaire dealer, Solaire has the demo program where you can try a mini version of a full-size grill in your own backyard, grilling the foods you love. It's made with the same design, materials, components, and performance of the big Solaires, but in a size Solaire can easily ship to you. Try before you buy so you'll know firsthand why Solaire is the last grill you'll ever purchase. Learn more about the demo program and these fantastic USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. The changes haven't been easy, but there's help. The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We can design a plan that targets potential customers with proven marketing strategies. Learn more at SurroundNewYork.com. SurroundNewYork.com. Connecting you with new customers. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Liberty. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your home insurance so you only pay for what you need. As a minimalist, paying less for insurance is more. Nice place. Is your house a bubble? It's a dome. I find corners unnecessary. At Liberty Mutual, that's how we feel about overpaying for insurance. But I do miss having shelves. Hmm. What would you put on them? Nothing, obviously. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. 
You're listening to Ion Real Estate. Remember, we have a short show today. It's abbreviated. It's only an hour and a half. So if you've got questions, make sure you call us early, 866-970-9622. I'm here with uh, Stephen Ebert uh, and our Ace was two-part. We try to cover all real estate and myself, Dottie Herman. So you have the legal end, the financial end, and the real estate end. What more do you need? Okay. But I think I have another caller if he's still on the line. I have Victor from Brooklyn. Uh, Victor, are you on the line still? Hey, Dottie. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good to talk to you and everybody. I, I listen to you every week. It's a great show. Um, I guess to be real quick, I, oh, I own thanks. a house in... Uh, <laughs> I own a house in, in uh, Brooklyn, a two-family uh, outright, and my mom has a life estate, and it's, uh, it's, it's getting tired. It needs a roof. and needs some various improvements, and I'm looking to do a small mortgage on it, and my mom is in agreement. And uh, I, I, the house, house is owned free and clear. I have a POA. Uh, I've, I've, we've been approved for a 30-year, three and three-eighths. The institution wants a new power of attorney specific to the transaction and photo identification for my mom, which she doesn't have. And she's in a nursing home. She's 87. So, you know, this is kind of like she may as well be on Mars. So um, uh, everything is fine. It passed through underwriting everything. But I just, you know, my estate lawyer says our existing power of attorney, which is full, should be fine. And, you know, maybe they could use bank statements or a statement from the nursing home or that the nursing home is willing to do a Zoom call with anyone to, you know, just to get her involved. So I'm wondering, should I should I start looking for a new institution that has different requirements or should I is there some different road I should go down? Yeah, so so I can I can I can answer this question Um, now. In terms of the estate, is this still under her name and, and you have power of attorney, correct? Yes, I, I am on the, I'm on the deed to the house and there's an endorsement way down that says uh, my mom's name, uh, life estate holder. Got it. Okay. Most banks will want to see um, the, um, the transfer of the probate in regards to the heirs successfully um, transferred first. But if you have a power of attorney, most banks should be able to accept that. Um, they would just have well, to. Well, my, my name a, is actually um, on the, I'm, I'm, my mother. name is actually on the title. I'm actually on the deed to the house. Okay, so if your so if your so if your name is on the title, they should be able to to refinance your mortgage with with your name on the title. I don't see why there there there's an issue there. If you well, want, because my mom is like it's we're, we're, our, we're, we're doing the house as a joint loan you know, so because my mom has the life estate on it. Got it. Okay. So maybe I'll, I'll pick a little bit on this, a couple of things. And this is something I see happening a lot with, uh, with also seniors. Um, one, sure. using the life estate on the deed in, in the title chain is a technique that some people have used for estate planning to make things mm. sort of sort of easier um, than maybe other devices. And as long as both of you sign on it, what, what legally, a lot, a lot of banks do have concerns about it, but as long as everyone sure. that constitutes the totality of the estate, meaning your mother and yourself sign off on it, legally that's okay. And you do need everybody to be in agreement to sign off on it. So to our sure. listeners in general, not, not just you, 
when you have a life estate situation, you, you want to be careful to make sure everyone's on the same page because you could be blocked sure. from doing things just like getting a mortgage in this situation. Yeah. The issue that I'm finding is with a lot of seniors, and we've had this happen before, and, and I'll throw out some ideas on this, is the ability of people to get actually current, valid, and unexpired identification to the satisfaction yes. of the bank. Uh, definitely, and yeah. Particularly with seniors and with COVID being able to so let me throw a couple of suggestions that are out there. Um, sure. You sort of to build back identification. Um, yeah. One, if you go down the list, and you're in the state of New York? Yes, New York City. Are you, Brooklyn. What state are you in? You're in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay, great. Yeah. If you go to the DMV website, it will list everything you need to get the requisite number of points to then have enough to get a driver's license. And if you look mm -hmm. very closely on that list, you will see they sometimes, with other things, may accept documents that are expired. So, for example, in mm. a current passport gets you way more points than an expired passport, but an expired passport yeah. can help. Utility bills and things like that. But then also, you are able to, it can take a few weeks, but at no charge, you can, they may require an original Social Security card. You can contact yeah. the Social Security Administration. They'll send an original card to you. That will count as some mm -hmm. points towards this. And then also, if you go to records, um, and this depends on the age of your mother, because at a certain point, it's considered a public record where anyone can get it, or if it's yeah. an earlier date, it's considered still private, um, you can actually get a copy of her birth certificate. I, I actually have and one of those, believe those it or not. pieces together... <laughs> Okay, so if you have that, yeah. <laughs> that you know, you, you may be able to piece it. To, you may be able to piece it together. I think what you need to do is go yeah. to the loan officer and say, "Look, let's have a dialogue here and talk about how can we piece together proof of identity." And we're going with yeah. some alternatives here. We get that it's outside of the box, but this is where it's so critical dealing with the right institution because you need to have a human being on the other end that you can meaningfully interact with not just absolutely a free number yeah. right if you go into someone with now, a toll-free number then you're lost um yeah yeah on that. well maybe ace can help them ace can help them i think ace can really help them out the only you know thing that comes to my mind and this is not doesn't sound like your case but i had a call or call maybe about a year ago and i will never forget it he had his mom he was the only son and his mom left him her home and but she had a life estate but he said she mm. was never, she was not there and she wasn't able to really answer anything. She was like out of it. And she, yeah. but she probably would live forever and he was broke and he couldn't keep up the property. So it doesn't right. sound yeah. like that. You just need her thing, right? You just need somehow for them to see that she's okay with it, like a nod. Ace, you can help her, can't uh, yeah. you? Yes, I, I was also wondering, she actually, she has a bank account at a local bank. I was going to maybe try to do a mortgage through them because maybe that the ID hurdle will be out of the way. Yeah, you can try that too. Um, you know, give, yeah. give that financial institution a call. And as long as she signs off on it, you shouldn't have any issues, right? So, but, um, but if you now have the any, Now the thing issues, is, since, since you know, I have, you can since I have a your name. I have a power of attorney for her for a full. So I like she she's I don't think I would need her signature per se. You know, she th th this is kind of like sort of I was that, you know, we were thinking to take care of things like this when she's basically unable 
because she's in the institution, you know, I could my my power of attorney would act for her signature. Yeah, Here's every bank the problem. Will, yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Can I just say one quick yeah. thing, and then I'm sorry to cut you off and say it. You need sure. to understand that powers, the law on power of attorneys are actually going to change in New York in June. Yes, but, I heard. Um, under the current law, that the problem is this: the current law says that New York State chartered institutions must accept the power of attorney. Most banks mm -hmm. are federally chartered, and federal law preempts uh, state law, so they're not required to. And the banks yeah. can overlay risk um, requirements. Yes. So the bank might yeah. say, wait a minute, you seem like a really nice guy. You have this document, but, but honestly, you're taking out yeah. money in this house. You say you're doing it for good purpose, but your mother's nursing home. We're a little concerned. And what you're looking at a cash-out refinance, banks have layers of additional risk protection um, sure. Because there are additional concerns. So I'm not saying sure, sure. that it won't work, but a lot of times banks have very, very specific policy of powers of attorney, and you're in the category yeah. where they're the most concerned, where you're pulling sure. out cash um, and you're using the power of attorney for the other person who would be the, the counterbalance to that. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, give, you know, actually, give a, well, I think you can work this out. And so, like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not an attorney. I'm not an expert, but I've been around a long enough time because I've heard some similar things. It sounds like, you know what, it's a pain in the neck to go through the whole channels. But if you push, because I find with these things, if you don't push and push and push, it's easier for them just not to do it. Uh, but you Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I can't be the only one that's going okay. through this. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, no. you're not. Yeah. No. And if you have any problems, I, I would give Ace a call, leave your number, and, and he'll get it through. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for the help. Right. I, it's great, y'all. I'll keep on listening. Keep us posted. Okay, yeah, great, guys. Thank you so much. Make it would help other people. Have a great hey, weekend. Thank you. Dottie, you too, guys. Thanks. Caller, um, Angelo. Thanks, Victor. Thank you. We have another caller, Angelo, from New Jersey. Morning, Angelo. Or Hi, Angelo. Morning. Good, good morning. <laughs> thank you for taking my call. I have uh, some interesting questions about these new marijuana laws that were invoked in here in New uh -huh. Jersey. First of all, I don't know how... Huh? First of all, I don't know how it ever got passed because federal law overrules state law and local municipality laws. And the federal government considers marijuana still illegal. That's number one. Number two, I spoke to the people that wrote the articles in the Jersey Journal this week. They say, oh, well, you can smoke it and this, that, and all. But landlords like myself that has a four-unit building in Jersey City, um... We can be probably sued because we will be um, violating the tenant's rights, basically. And nobody has an answer on this question. Even the people from the city in Haven, Jersey well, City, they have no idea uh, uh, well, the, uh, uh, one of those. You know, they start stuttering. 
So like yeah. past this I law think that's a big problem. Let me tell you. I, I think huh? that's a fun. Let me tell you an interesting story. I was uh, in Colorado. I was in Aspen skiing. And for some reason, I decided not to take the plane to Denver. So I just drove to the airport, which was like five hours. And so as I was driving and I was talking to the driver because five hours is a long drive and you like have to talk to someone. And there's signs, smoke, smoke weed, smoke grass, you'll love it. You know, I mean, there's just signs and billboards all over. The driver was telling me, you know, I have a great job, he said, because state law in Colorado allowed people to smoke marijuana. The federal law didn't. He said, so people will be in my car. I will drive them to the airport. They leave all their drugs in the car because if they go to the airport, it's against the law because it's federal. <laughs> so nice. there is a big difference in federal. Okay. So he said, so I get I get all the drugs for free. That's basically what he's telling me. And then when you go in the airport, <laughs> there's big signs that say it's against the law in the airport because the airport is federal, but the state, you could just go to stores and buy them. So it's kind of screwed up in a way. Okay. You're asking a very interesting question. You're asking is a landlord, uh, if he tells the person you can't smoke marijuana in, in my apartment, are you violating the law? So let me let me address these points and it's a tricky situation because angela you're spot on if for our listeners let me just give a quick 30 second history to, to i can address it marijuana is a controlled substance under federal law it yes. has been it continues to be the issue started amazingly enough about a quarter century ago about 25 years ago california was the first state to pass a law legalizing medical marijuana. And that started the debate, and then you get into medical versus recreational. However, there is no distinction under federal law at this time. There's been discussion, it hasn't gone anywhere. What happened to make it a little bit more difficult, under President Obama, about eight years ago or so, he passed a ruling, an executive order, that said they would not interfere with what they would consider, I guess, marijuana operations, whether it's production or use or distribution, provided that it was in compliance under state law. So they never actually said that it became legal, but they said they wouldn't enforce um, and, and prosecute. Um, under President Trump, he reversed that, and there were, um, the last couple of years, significant arrests in marijuana. Now, we've now been under President Biden for about a month. I am not aware of um, what he's done specifically, although he did pass an executive order basically saying all the Trump executive orders are reversed. But th on this case, um, you know, Tr Trump um, didn't create, create a new law. So I think the best thing to do, I guess we'll come back after the break for the, for the complaint Yeah, you're going to have to finish that up for the break. Okay. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. 
970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back. You're listening to Iron Real Estate. I'm here with my co-host, Stephen Ebert, our legal expert, and Ace Wadasupar, our financial expert, um, and, don't, and myself, Dottie Herman, um, the real estate expert. And don't forget to go on to our, our Facebook page because we have all up-to-date. We put on very up-to-date information on what we love and most real estate information. So you can also go to that to get more information. And you can also, if you miss us, and le- you can leave us a question there also, and we'll try to do it on the air. And if we can't do it on the air, then we'll we'll answer you. Uh, but we were in the middle of a question, Steve, about medical. No, it wasn't medical marijuana. It was about marijuana. And this is really gonna, an interesting question, whether the landlord has the right to allow this, per- allowing the person to smoke it if it's legal statewide in New Jersey, but not legal federally. So, Stephen, you want to finish that answer? Stephen, did I lose you? Yeah, I'm back. Sorry. Okay. So you were in the middle of answering that question. So can he uh, demand that someone doesn't so, smoke marijuana? Yeah, so now that we've given a little bit of the background, the best way to approach it, because there is a conflict of federal and state law, is that you can make things a little bit more restrictive in your property. And we'd recommend that you have documentation to say that it would be illegal to um, smoke of any kind, whether it is you know tobacco or marijuana, you can have um, like that added to your lease. Um, and also general statements that they require that they are in compliance with all laws, whether state or federal, and right, those are the kind don't... of things you can add. Yes, but do you have so? Do you have a lease already, or is this a month to month? Oh, okay. Well, if it's a month to month, you can do it. If you already have a lease in existence, um, I don't believe that you can just put that in if the lease doesn't say anything about smoking or anything. I really don't, uh, but that's where you can get a hold of Steve. But I think if you have a month to month, you can do it then the next month. But I, I don't know. I don't know if you already have a lease and it says that you can't smoke. There's no smoking. I don't know then if that, you know, if that would cover marijuana or not, because smoking is legal and people put it in their leases and say that you, some, there's no smoking. So I'm making an assumption that I'm not an attorney. But I'm making an assumption if smoking is legal and people are allowed to put it in their leases that this is a non-smoking apartment, that you would maybe be able to do that with marijuana. I don't know 100%, and I think the court's going to be out for that still. The other thing you can, even if for those who want to keep their tenants with a verbal month-to-month lease, I know some people prefer doing that, you could always consider adding a house rules document for them to sign, because saying so long as you reside in this building, you'll do the following. And you can address a variety of things, whether it's smoking 
or just, let's say, not blocking pathways or leaving, you know, bicycles all over the place. You know, you can come up with a set of house rules and have them sign that as well. So that's another technique. Okay. I know we have one more quick question. I want to get back to those 1530 year leases because uh, we promised you last week that we would cover that today. Um, So we have a quick question and that is from Ace. uh, Yes, we have George. Yes, we have George from NYC. George, are you on the line? No, 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 no. I don't smoke it no more. Dottie, distinguished panel, <laughs> first of all, I've always was fascinated by potheads talking economics. They would always say, oh, if we legalize marijuana, we could knock out the national debt. You realize how big that joint would have to be to knock out the national debt. This is just potheads getting their way. Of course, federal law supersedes all the other laws in the land. But if you notice the last 50, 60 years, anyone who follows, they don't follow the laws. It looks like to me they just enforce the laws when they want to get somebody or they just overlook them and stuff. What do you mean you don't enforce the laws? You could be impeached by not enforcing laws that are on the book. That's ridiculous. And the thing is, with um, smoke, I mean, one of the professionals brought it up, of course, there are smoking violations, too. You know, you have to look at re- regular cigarettes, whatever, cigars, pipes, marijuana. The building codes obviously vary from place to place. But in New York City, they're very strict when it comes to smoking, basically. You know, so in a household, you know what the law, find out what the laws are. You, you just can't just light up anywhere you want anymore either. But they are legalizing marijuana. Obviously, to me, it's because the politicians and their kids Honey. use it. So they want to, go ahead. What's up? Money. I mean, I just read something, and I'll have it for you in a week or two, but that New York is now, you know, going to probably do the same thing as Jersey has. But I believe it's a big business. It's a lot of money. And let's face it, the states are broke. Uh, I mean, I the states are so broke, it's not even funny. Uh, so right. but I think any, that's one but of the anybody reasons who- you're going to see it come to play. Yeah, but anybody who's intelligent knows you don't drug up society if you want to create uh, an economy and productive society. You just basically turn this into a wasteland. The Jersey legalized it. There's another nail in the coffin of the Garden State by legalizing drugs. Marijuana, there's a tremendous smell to that, too. You just don't smoke it. You could just pitch that in New York City, just legalize it. The place would be in a in a cloud of smoke, people we get what's called a contact high from it. They're not smoking it, but they're breathing You're it right. in. It's, re- it's ridiculous. Legalizing drugs that, that, is know, ridiculous. All right. Well, that's an opinion that everyone has something different, but I just want to say this because I think it's all about money. And to give you my point, New York City has $1.3 billion in un- just in unpaid taxes for you know, and that could get higher by the end of the year. So I think everybody's scrambling. And I think that that's probably a business where they can make a lot of money. And they've been doing it for years in Colorado. So I have a feeling you're going to see that all pass. I don't know how it all shakes out to tenants and what you're allowed to do. But I think maybe, I, you know, if you have a lease, you could maybe put it in that you can't smoke marijuana. I don't know. Steve, maybe, Steve, maybe you could kind of find out for us. Like kind of do some homework on that. See what. Yeah, but but, but also, I would, you you can absolutely um, put it in the lease. Also, particularly in New York City, there is a, an anti-smoking law that's been into effect. 
Um, and, it's, and it's interestingly written in the sense that it, the way the law is written, it says it's illegal to smoke in the entire city of New York, except where we say it is legal. Law is usually written the other way, but it actually says illegal to smoke in New York City, except where we permit it. It does allow um, one to smoke in their home. However, there is another local law that came into effect. It's local law 147, in which all buildings are required to have a smoking policy. And even if the policy matches the New York City anti-smoking law, buildings right. have to put it in writing, and they can make it more restrictive if they so choose. All right. This was this was not a. I don't imagine this was a building. This was a man who maybe had a legal two family or a legal four family, and this was in New Jersey where they did pass smoking marijuana a while ago, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's a good question. Um, and really, it depends because I'm not sure if you don't have it in your lease, if that, uh, you know, if that would, if you didn't write no smoking because he didn't anticipate this happening, then I don't know. And I think you're, that's going to be like a, a kind of one of those tricky questions. But I would like to get, on, we'll keep you posted as we go along. But I'd like to get on because I promised, we promised last week we'd answer this question. So Ace to you. Why should I get a 15-year mortgage, assuming that I have one, uh, a 30, but why shouldn't I? Like, what are the pros and cons? I think the pros, and, and that's a question that we get all the time, right, Dottie? Um, so the pro is that you have a lesser uh, timeline to pay off your mortgage, so you're paying it off quickly, and um, that's, the, that's a huge benefit to anyone that's comparing a 30-year fix to a 15-year fix. I would say the con to a 15-year fix is that it's a higher monthly payment, almost double of a 30-year fix rate. So if you have cash flow concerns and you don't want to be sort of subject to, to, to having a high monthly payment every single month, because once you get a 15-year fix, you can't go back and renegotiate with the bank for a, a, a smaller payment every month, right? So you just have to make sure that if you do opt for a 15-year fixed rate, it's a, it's a great product. If you have the cash flow, then you'll pay off your mortgage literally in 15 years, even maybe less if you're paying extra payments. But where most people get hey, in trouble... Yeah, go ahead, Dottie. Don't you usually get... Wouldn't you usually be able to get a lower interest rate on a 15 than a 30? You know, usually there's a big, big gap between a 15-year and a 30-year, but because rates are so low... It's not, it's not the gap isn't as as big, right? So a lot of folks now are opting just to go with the thirty year fixed rate and just prepaying, um, because remember, even though the rate's a little bit higher, you can always prepay and get it down almost, right. um, you know, similar to a fifteen year fix. But but you have the flexibility of having a lower payment, and when you have additional funds, what most people don't consider, Dottie, is that sometimes things happen in your life that you don't that you can't foresee and, and right. having that flexibility sometimes is a little bit nice, you know, as opposed to putting yourself in a mortgage um, payment. That's a little right. bit, that's, that's, that's higher. That's all. But look, if you can afford it and you go over your numbers with your loan officer, then, you know, 15 year fix is always the, um, the sort of the, the product to consider if you're trying to just pay off your mortgage quickly. Right. So it, there's pros and cons to both sides. Yeah, but I would just say, and I think I said last week, so I could give you my own personal advice and what I yeah. personally did doesn't mean it's good for everyone, but I took a mortgage out with Ace 
for my home in Southampton, which I bought God knows when. And I really didn't have a lot of money. Oh, so I took a 30 year mortgage, but I said, I will always, whenever I had a little extra money, I paid extra, yep. like whenever I had it. And Correct. I put it toward, and I, I know to put towards principal. And I ended up paying my house not often 15 years, but maybe 20 or 22 years or something like that. And I did save a lot of interest. Yet, as Ace said, I wasn't under any pressure to have to do that. And when I didn't have the extra money, I didn't use it. Whereas if you took a 15-year mortgage, you'd have to. So I think that's the best of both worlds. Don't forget, if you ever have a little extra money and you don't need it, like you have a rainy day savings already, then it's always good to do that because you'd be surprised. You know, you take you take a lot of money off your uh, additional payments. So that's what we suggest. Uh, so that's the answer to that. I have to just tell, share some. I think we lost Dottie. Hey, Ace. Where's Dottie? If, yeah, if, I see if, you know, if you can, because this is a question I know that a lot of my clients have, you know, they get a little caught up in the amount of the monthly payment versus it. the rate on the 15 or 30. Yeah. What would you say if you want to give a little bit of guidance on, um, and I know this constantly changes, so I know it's a tough question to answer, but to just get a ballpark sense, you know, what could they expect to see in a difference in rate between a 15 year and a 30 um, you and how that would work? No, that's a great question. Usually it's anywhere between three eighths of a percent um, to half a percent, right? So for example, if today a 30 year fixed rate, it's 3% rate, you know, you, you can probably get a 15 year fixed rate at 2.625. So there's the, the, the discrepancy isn't that much uh, depending on the loan amount, right? And then your payments a little bit higher too on a 15 year fixed, but usually it's, it's right around half a percent difference or sometimes even three eighths of a percent difference depending on the day depending on the market so yeah but but one thing that i want to leave our, our listeners with is that we always remember interest rates are attractive a lot of folks are focused on the interest rate but there's a saying that i always tell all of my clients which is you live in the payment not the rate so always focus on your payment and your cash flow and don't right. don't be too focused on the rate because the rates may be attractive, but the cash flow is really where you want to sit down and make sure it's a comfortable payment for you every single month. So, yeah. Listen, I, I think, um, you know, this is not about real estate, but I think it's really important. Uh, first of all, I think everybody should be taking those shots uh, for the virus. I mean, I know some people are against it, but this is more of a reason. I was at um, a Zoom, I was asked to be. Uh, on a Zoom meeting for a, a transformation of different industries. I was on a panel with Terry Jones, who is the founder of Travelocity, uh, and some really, really, uh, the, the CEO of Campbell Soup. There were five really big, big hitters. And it was really about bringing the travel, the, the panel I was on, which I'm not in the travel industry, but they put me on this travel. It was about bringing the travel industry back, okay, and how to do it. And it looks like they're working, and I just want to pass this down. We'll talk about it another day because it's not done yet. But it looks like they're going to end up with like a universal card 
that will say I took the I took the vaccines because they say that if they could say, look, this plane flight, everybody on this flight has had their vaccines, people would feel safer on. And if a hotel could say everyone that went to this hotel, that is staying at this hotel has had their vaccines, people will feel safer. And they're thinking that that's probably where they're going to end up going. Will it be two sets of people vaccine people and people who haven't had them. And again, this isn't happened, hasn't happened at the moment and it's not guaranteed to happen, but it kind of makes sense to me how it could happen. And they say that's what they're working on. I just had to throw that in because I thought that was very interesting where there's actually the vaccine people who had it and the ones that did, because everyone's trying to figure out how to get every industry back. And, and most of it's about safety. I don't think we have too much time left, but I think we have another caller because we have a short show today. So if we have another caller, Ace, have them quickly yep. give us our question because we're ending at 1130 today. Definitely. So we have Fabi uh, from the Bronx. Yes, yeah, hi, how are you? Yes, uh, I'm here. Hi, Fabi. Thanks for calling Iron Real Estate. Thank you so much, you and yeah, I'm well. Um, thank you. Um, you and Ace are the best. I listen to your show often, and I've learned a lot. Um, I'm actually from Brooklyn. Thanks. Um, yeah, I have a question, um, and I'm going to take the answer over the phone. Oh, you know, I'll just hang up and, and so I can take notes over the radio. Um, I just wanted to find out what was the most accredited path uh, to uh, pursue a career in real estate, um, because there's so many different opinions out there, and I know it's changed a lot over the years. But you being so experienced, I was wondering if you could give me some insight as to the most accredited path, because there's a lot of scams out there where they tell you they're going to train you, you know, and they make you pay all this money and, and you don't actually get anywhere. Um, so I just wanted to, since your experience speaks for itself. Gotcha. So I'll take the answer over gotcha. the radio. So well, first notes. of all, yes, I'll give you the answer. Okay, obviously, state-wise, which varies from state to state, but you're in Brooklyn, so in New York, you have to take a certain amount of hours um, before you can take the New York state test. And I'm not sure, I forgot how many hours it is exactly. Do you remember, Steve? I think it's a hundred and something hours. Well, yeah, you have to take a certain amount of hours of real estate and you would have to take that at a real estate school, uh, an accredited real estate school in New York state. Um, and if you're in a different state, then you would do it in a different state. Then once you pass that, you then take the New York state test. And that's really, there's only one New York state test and you have to register with New York state. You have to take that test and pass it. If you fail that test, you can keep on taking it again, but until you pass it, then you have to be sponsored to take that test. You have to have a, a real estate company such as like Douglas Elliman or myself sponsor you. So when you get a license as a salesperson, you can't hold that license. It has to be held by a broker, the broker of record. So therefore, a company has to sponsor you, such as Doug Salomon or any other company it could be big or small, as long as they're an accredited real estate company. Now, as the state test really is very technical. It, it's a lot of legal stuff. Um, and in my opinion, it's a lot of stuff you'll never use in your lifetime. Okay, um, but it gives you an understanding. Okay, and there's things that you need to know, contract law and, uh, you know, 
landlord tenant rights and all of those kind of things. But if you want to learn how to sell real estate or not only sell real estate, it's building a business because basically when you come into the real estate business, you don't have any past customers. You are basically a business within a business. And even though the company might help you out and give you some leads, you have to really start building your own business. And the beauty of it is that it really is building your own business. And it's really not a lot of money to do that. Now, I have some feelings on who I would go to to teach me how to build my own building. First of all, I would tell you to, when you're interviewing companies to look at, I would look at their training program. In other words, New York State and all the training you have to take to get your license, that's one thing. Then I would only go to a company that has a training program, like Douglas Elliman, and we have Douglas Elliman University. I created that many years ago, and it has all aspects of training because you never stop learning. And that will teach you. We have one for brand new agents. So when you're new to the business, then you would take that. And that's more practical. That's like, how do you start your business? How do you set up? How do you build a database? Um, how do you... Um, how do you get people to know you're in business? Uh, and then it advances to how do you follow up? Because a lot of the business is also follow up. And it combines that with different skill sets because you're not going to learn how to build a real estate business by taking the Department of State test and getting a real estate license. That is just the start. And I could spend hours on that. And if you'd like, if you just leave me a note or let next week leave the producers a note. I will have, you know, somebody myself and somebody from a really real estate school and my training director on to tell you about the different aspects of real estate and how to go. As far as speakers, a lot of them are motivational speakers and that is not actually training. That is more motivational, but I find motivational speakers are great and people love to go to them. They feel like a rah-rah but then they have to go back. I believe accountability is a big issue in real estate. I think when you're working on your own and you have to do certain amount of things, it's easy to do stuff when everything is going great, but you have to manage your time. You have to, it's very complicated. I have not enough time to talk about it today, but I'll be glad to spend the session on that because I think that's a great question. And people think they get their real estate license and they're ready to go. And really, when you get your real estate license, you're just you're just going to start. I don't know if you want to add anything, Steve or 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 Ace, because, you know, just the financing part of it. But that's why we have Ace and Steve, because we're we work with a team. But if you want to add anything. on, Yeah, very, very quickly. I think it's 75 hours of classes that you have to take. And and Dottie's right. You got to be. You, you have to hold your license with a broker um, and with, and you know, some of the information that you're going to have in the training class, remember this is designed for New York state. You're going to deal with co-op and condos, let's say in Manhattan, or you might deal with, you know, people having septic and wells upstate. So you're going to have broad information. You got to learn your local market and place your license with a company that will really give you the training to work in the local market you want to practice in. Listen, sorry that the show was short, 
Have a great weekend. I think it's warming up in New York finally, and the outdoor restaurants are starting to open up again. So do your part, bring the city back, and support your local restaurants and merchants. We'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. Signing off from all of us at Iron Real Estate, and visit our Facebook, Iron Real Estate page. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.